Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. The Volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5 only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? Here's the game plan. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to react to the trades. It wasn't the craziest trade deadline, but we definitely had some action. So the Bears, the Niners, obviously Washington selling the 2D linemen, Minnesota trading for a quarterback, and that's basically the game plan today. It'll be a reaction show to the trade deadline, and then I will also do some mailbag, at John Middlecoff, at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered on the show. So trade deadline, some mailbag. That's the plan. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you may listen. Apple, Spotify, we got you covered. If you're listening on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Appreciate all of you that have. Uh, we, we wouldn't be doing the show without you. 
So make sure you subscribe to that three and out feed. Other than that, the volume.com, we got some three and out merch and we're just going to have podcasts all week. So a lot going on football wise. Let's keep rocking and rolling. Stay buckled up because it's a great time of year. We're headed in November. It's getting cold. Harbaugh is getting popped for doing crazy things. Uh, that story, they talk about a story that won't die. I saw a picture of Harbaugh's guy on the sideline in central Michigan gear. What a photo. Talk about a Marine who's good at espionage. That guy had some talent. He, he, he really did. But I think get ready for Jim Harbaugh to come all back to uh, playing football on Sunday because I, I think that's where this all is destined to be. Before we dive into some of uh, my thoughts and takeaways from the trade deadline, let's start with my friends at game time. Do you want to go to a game? Do you want to go to a concert? Do you want to go to a comedy show? Get, do you want to get out of the house? Like, are, are you taking your son, your daughter, walking around for trick-or-treating and realize, God, I, I got to get out. I'm working from home or I'm always in the office. I need to get out and have a good time. Well, we have you covered. The official ticketing app of this podcast, Game Time. Go to your smartphone, download the app, and when you sign up for a pair of tickets, any tickets, college, pro, football, basketball, World Series, almost over. If you live in Arizona, you want to catch a game on Wednesday, go do it and do it on us. Promo code John. Use the promo code John. $20 off. $20 off. Cannot recommend them enough. Again, Game Time app, promo code John. Get you $20 off your first pair of tickets. Use it. Tell your friends to use it. Tell your family to use it. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Game time, promo code John. Okay, the trade deadline is over. And I think from a big picture standpoint, wasn't as crazy as it has been in years past. I would say there was no Christian McCaffrey or you know future Hall of Famer Vaughn Miller on the move in this deadline. And I think a lot of times in this modern day NFL with these aggressive GMs, we do see a lot of deals happen in the offseason, right? A lot happened during March. That's when Tyreek was traded. That's when Devontae was traded. Uh, We've seen big ones happen during August. Khalil Mack. This one, I would say, was not as crazy as many people thought it had a chance to be. Part of that, I think it's a really good draft class. So teams are less likely, you know, to deal. One of my bold takes last week is I thought a player would get traded for a first-round pick. Well, that would have to be, you know, an Aaron Donald-type guy. And clearly teams are hesitant to put them on the market. The Giants, I thought they should have thrown out Saquon Barkley there. The Raiders, who Adam Schefter earlier reported a better chance of like hell freezing over than Devontae Adams being traded. I'm sorry, I don't quite understand that. This is not the NBA where you tank, but it's pretty clear when you're not good. Because all these teams that will continue to lose, they are trying to win, right? In the NBA and in baseball, it is easy to tank. That is not the way it happens in football. Coaches try Players try non-guaranteed contracts. But if you suck, you suck. And let's start with a team who's terrible. And today, to me, the craziest move of the trade deadline, I don't even think it's debatable, is the Chicago Bears throwing their hat in the ring again. They did it last year, and they did it again this year. Now, I'm all for trying to improve your team. But when you're 2-6, and your starting quarterback has an injury where he's going to be out several games. You were playing a guy that even diehard football fans couldn't point out of a lineup. is from Division II, and you are going to consistently lose. Trading a second-round pick, and many people, you know, contract negotiators, general managers, coaches don't quite value picks like, like people in the front office do, but they will tell you 
The most powerful picks are usually second round picks. Why? Because you can get impact starters for a very, very cheap wage, right? If I'm getting an impact starter in the top 10, I'm still paying for it. Google how much the guys that last couple years have been drafted at pick three, at pick six. Like, they still make a lot of money. When I get Nick Chubb or Joey Porter Jr. early in the second round, I get a plug-and-play starter at a very, very cheap salary. And that is the key to building a really good team, having star players who don't make that much money. And the Chicago Bears, who are going nowhere fast, last year, to me, was even more baffling because they traded for a complete headache who was never going to work, did not work, who they had to tell to stay away in Chase Claypool. This year, they trade for a good player. Sweat is a good player. But you're 2-6, and six, and you're basically just trading a second-round pick, which easily could be pick 33 or 34, like you were trending to compete for the number one overall pick, for the right to sign the guy. You're not even guaranteed to sign the guy. And you're going to have to overpay no matter what. Well, you easily could have overpaid just when he hit free agency and kept the second-round pick. There's a reason when you first start buying a home, right, or if you buy more real estate, people tell you, put down, if you can afford it, as little as possible. You would much rather put down 10% than 50%. Why? You can use that other 40% to buy other shit. So you're going to be in the position, because you have this cap space, to pay for a player like Sweat this offseason, which you probably have to overpay because typically that's how it works in free agency. To give up your second-round pick just for the right to also be in that position does not make sense. Now, people with Chicago, if you're going to be a diehard, I don't know how you could support this administration, would say, Middlecock, you own his rights now. Will you own his rights to what? Franchise tag him, extremely expensive, or to extend him. And to me, you could have easily bought him this offseason if you truly wanted to like they did with Edmonds this offseason, where they overpaid. Think about last year. They trade away Roquan Smith. Right now, granted, Roquan kind of wanted out. Roquan makes $20 million a year. Meanwhile, Edmonds makes 18. So it's not like you were uncomfortable paying a lot for a star linebacker, and there's the gap between those two players is wider than the Grand Canyon. I just can't fathom when you're clearly not good. It's one thing when you're kind of in no man's land, like Minnesota, you're four and four. Your star quarterback has a torn Achilles. You're definitely not going to wave the white flag yet. I understand trying to add, trying to do something, even though it didn't cost anything to get Joshua Dobbs. This one for the life of me. When you just did this last year, you traded such a valuable pick who literally netted the Pittsburgh Steelers, Joey Porter Jr. Like, do you think the Chicago Bears, if they would have a redo, would rather have Chase Claypool, who's not even on their team anymore? or Joey Porter Jr. to go with Jalen Johnson, who they ended up not trading, and then maybe you build around those two. Maybe this offseason, Jalen Johnson leaves, and you receive a comp pick because he gets paid. I I, I just don't understand Ryan Poles. I, I do not get it. And I'll give a slim, slim margin for the chance that the ownership is involved with this, though I have a hard time seeing this, or, or that. The McCaskies, like, I, I don't know. I, I think this is Ryan Poles trying to be super aggressive, he'd go, well, John, we got extra first-round pick from Carolina. Those picks, we got wiggle room. We could trade back if we want to do with one of those, get more picks. All that's true. And you also could still sign Sweat this offseason and still have that second-round pick to hell. Maybe use in a trade. Maybe use on a player. Maybe use to trade back. Keep your options open. Nothing you want to do 
more than when you suck in sports is to limit your options. It, it makes absolutely no sense to be giving away premium assets. Totally understand if they traded away even a third-round comp pick, right? Like the 49ers did, who we'll get into a second. I'd be like, listen, you're definitely not one player away, but I'm not going to quibble over pick 96. Pick 33 or pick 34? Google the history of high second-round picks, who they turn out to be. The Bears, last time I checked, are very, very talent-depleted. Like, you look at their roster, it's not any good. And like I said, this guy's going to be a free agent who you're going to have to overpay no matter what. Just because he's now on your team doesn't mean the agent's like, you know what, kind of like that you traded a pick for us. We'll give you a little cheaper deal. Hell no. I saw Michael Lombardi tweet this out earlier today. Now the agent, when it comes to the Bears, has all the leverage, has them by the balls, right? And typically, when you think about some of these star players, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Khalil Mack, those agents are complete control, right? Once you trade two ones for me or a one and a two, you have to break me up. Jalen Ramsey, Jamal Adams, you're going to break me off. It's a no-brainer. It's like everyone's already acknowledging what's going to happen. In this case, when you don't trade to extend him, and even then, what? Why would? Why do you need him this year? Like, what's he actually doing for you? Making a few extra tackles for your defense as you're losing by 20 points? I don't see how any person with common sense that follows the National Football League, whether you work in it, whether you're a diehard fan, whether you like the Bears, whether you like the Pack, I don't care who you like, can look at this trade and not go, "That's some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen." Makes no sense. I, I, I don't get it. I think that is terrible, terrible, just team roster management. Ryan Poles strikes again. That is, for as good as as his trade was with the Carolina Panthers, that's a fleecing. The move for Chase Claypool in this move almost neutralize it and make it equal. Uh, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around it. Like the 49ers, who's a guy in the league texts me, why are they doubling down on a position that's already a strength? I'm like, have you watched the Niners lately? And have you watched the Niners this season? Their defensive line is underachieving. Nick Bosa is nowhere near playing at the level of the other star players that he's now higher paid than. Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, obviously Parsons. All the edge players in this league are dominating, and Nick Bosa has been underwhelming. Could be the defensive coordinator, could just be he's rusty with no training camp. I don't know, but it hasn't been good. And the rest of the group is not playing well enough. They've already traded for Randy Gregory. Trading for Chase Young, who I, I did a little digging with some of my NFL friends. Like, give me the scouting report. Obviously, he's much more of a power player than a speed player. Uh, but the Niners need, like, they're, people are running it down their throat right now. That They need more power up front. But here's my thing. I, I wouldn't have loved trading a second-round pick for this guy, even if your pick is pick 55. It's like, well, you're probably not going to re-sign him. I don't know, man. Short term. Thing with trading last year, a second, a third, and a fourth for Christian McCaffrey is he was under team control. So, and at the time, I thought it was kind of crazy. 17 straight touchdowns later, maybe not that crazy. But he's also, you don't have to pay him. He's just on your team for the foreseeable future. They gave up a third round comp pick. Never forget the 49ers took advantage of the minority compensation with draft picks, unlike any other team. From Robert Sala, Mike McDaniel's dad is black. Uh, Rand Carthen, the GM of the Titans. Martin Mayhew, the GM of Washington. D'Amico Ryans. For all the picks they lost during Trey Lance trade, which is clearly one of the worst trades of all time, 
They got back like 40 third-round picks from all these guys becoming head coaches and general managers. So to trade pick, let's just say it's pick 100 for half a season of Chase Young, the Niners literally took their starting kicker with that pick last year, which is more than up for debate whether that's good enough. But like, that's just a proper amount to give for a guy that could help impact your team. To give up pick 34 for Sweat, even though Sweat is better than Chase Young, uh, I can imagine a ton of teams that wanted Sweat, like good teams. Let's I would imagine the 49ers were interested. Hey, we'll give you a second and a fourth, or you know, Seattle or whoever. You look around the NFL willing to give up their second round pick and maybe a fourth or fifth. And Washington keeps hanging up on them. Yeah, it's just not good enough. And they're thinking to themselves, like, I think we're giving you a lot. And it turns out they got picked 34 in the hopper. No shit. I mean, these other teams, once they see that trade go down, like, yeah, I would have declined my offer as well. So Sweat goes to the Bears. Chase Young goes to the 49ers, who are just in desperate need of just, you know, something to kind of wake them up, something to create, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, they des- they're just in desperate need of something. And whether that can be fixed with a defensive coordinator who's under a lot of fire right now, and I'm not saying Chase Young is some world beater, but their defense right now is underachieving. And they hung their hat on being one of the more physical teams in the NFL, and they simply are not. Now, Washington is basically waving the white flag, which they should. Uh, Their team, for the last several years, has just been in the middle of nowhere. Like, unlike the Bears, like, the Bears suck. So you understand when they draft one, and then the following year they draft two, you're like, yeah, they're terrible. You watch them play, they have like two or three players you would want. This year, one of the players literally just came from another team, DJ Moore. They don't have, you look, you watch Washington, you're like, God, I like a lot of their players. Got wide receivers, got a running back I like. The tight end, kind of interesting, former quarterback, clearly defensive line-wise, pretty good. Uh, you just got two guys that netted you a, a pick 34 and a third-round pick. But for whatever reason, it's just not going anywhere. And maybe part of that, offensively the last couple years, you add Sam Howell, who's actually not bad. To me, when I watched him play the other day, I'm like, I, I see this kind of version of Baker, you know, a guy that ideally is probably your backup quarterback, that if he has to start a month because your quarterback has a high ankle sprain and your team's good, like you can win several games. But if he has to start all throughout the season, you're probably going to be in some trouble. The other thing that's hurting them is Eric Bieniemy. everyone's been banging on the table for him to become a head coach, became an offensive coordinator, and he passes it nonstop. I mean, Sam Howell is on record, or at least was going into last game, to break David Carr's single-season sack rate. Like, there's a balance of, and listen, I'm pro-passing the ball. Hell, I wish Kyle Shanahan would throw the ball more. Andy Reid's rattling off Super Bowls, throwing the rock. But sometimes you got to run the ball. And when your quarterback is getting fucking killed, it might be smart to call a different play. The Eric Bieniemy experiment is not going well. The Ron Rivera experiment is not going well. Now, there are rumors out there in football streets that Josh Harris is so over-leveraged that it's going to be difficult for him to pay off Ron. Here's the thing. If he hires a new coach, he's not going to want to hire some cheap guy. He, he's not going to try to go Dean Spanos and get a guy on the cheap. I would imagine he's going to want to go big game hunting. It'll be very interesting. Now, if I had to guess, Rivera gets fired. Maybe Mayhew gets fired as well. And I think Bill Belichick actually would be in play there if he were to have a breakup with the Patriots. Uh, I could see him also sniffing around Jim Harbaugh, but both those those guys are expensive. So if it is truly he's super over leveraged to buy this team and just doesn't have 
you know, millions upon millions of liquid cash on hand. It's going to be interesting how that plays out. But they, they trade two of their better players, and their team was kind of defined. It's why they gave Philly so, many, so much trouble over the years. What does Philly hang their hat on? We got the best offensive line in the league. We can shove you around. Well, they're the one team, like, physically, like, let's go to war. <laughs> let's make this thing interesting. If our offense just plays half decent, we're going to be in the game. And now you trade those guys away, like, that's kind of the identity and the ethos of the team. So I, I think we all sell stock on a team. I always like, what am I going to call them? No team has more names that you have to like think before you say the Washington football command Redskins. It's like, he, and this guy's already claiming he refuses to wear the commander's logo. People already think he's going to rename the team. Another big story today, and we mentioned it up front, like I, if I was the Raiders, I would entertain trading Devontae Adams. What, what's the point of having Devontae Adams with no quarterback? Like at least having Max Crosby, he's not dependent on anyone else. And I think Max Crosby, just because they played on prime time a couple games, if you just watch half a game of football, you go, there can't be, right now, this season, 10 guys, non-quarterbacks, playing better than him. The energy, the effort, the motor, the just the pure physical talent. He's fucking dominating. But he could dominate. The best part about having a good defensive lineman, even coaches can't screw you up. Because it's just mano a mano, it's third and seven, chase the quarterback. First and ten, and you get the you know the run look, play the run. It's coming to you, shed that guy, make a tackle. And he's doing it nonstop. But Devontae Adams can run the best routes in the NFL, can run these, you know, double moves, goes, posts, flags. He can be open all day long. If Jimmy Garoppolo can't hit water when he's sitting in a boat, none of it matters. None of it matters. So keeping a guy like that just to keep him, especially a year more into the uh, contract, he's a little bit older this offseason, there would have been teams. Now, they would never trade with the Kansas City Chiefs, a divisional team, but I think with ease they could have got a first-round pick. Where are they going anyway? Like, what's the point? And I, listen, I have a lot of respect for Devontae Adams, and I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt when he said those comments a couple weeks ago, and he... He kind of talked after the game. Like, it wasn't even worth saying something that would get taken out of context. I, I He chose this. He chose the Raiders, right? I mean, Saquon Barkley ultimately was drafted to the Giants and then franchised. Like, he hasn't even got a choice, right? Josh Jacobs, hell, drafted the Raiders, franchise, can't go anywhere. Devontae Adams, the Packers, who I got no problem wanting to leave a team. You know, what James Harden's doing is an embarrassment to professional sports. Every other year, quits on a team, demands a trade. Devontae Adams has been a good, high-character, great player. Finally realized, like, I'm not dealing with this Aaron Rodgers. I want to get a trade. I've said over and over. If you just say, hey, trade me to somewhere good, like Tyreek Hill, traded to Miami Dolphins, wanted to go to Miami, but was open to go other places, goes there, is winning, right? Devontae's like, I only want to go to the Raiders. I only want to go to the Raiders. It's like, Devontae, haven't you seen this franchise? And I get, I kind of understand it with Derek Carr, but then to pretend to be happy this offseason before the season starts when you're playing with Jimmy Garoppolo, who is clearly playing the worst football of his career, who looks just horrendous, I just, I have no sympathy. I really don't. Not that he's asking for it. He's making, whatever, $25 million a year. But, hell, maybe even more than that. I think it's like $28, $29 million a year. But it sucks. When you're an athlete especially a football player, in the prime of your career at wide receiver, it just doesn't last forever. 
right? He doesn't have 10 more years playing at this level. Hell, he might not have five more years left playing at this level. So every year that you waste playing on a team that can't even begin to get you the football has no chance to win when you signed up for that, to me, feels crazy. The Minnesota Vikings, I respect it. I think they had a couple options, right? They could go the guys on the street. They could call up Carson Wentz. They could call up Matt Ryan in the booth. Doesn't make any sense. Those guys have been on ice all season. They didn't have an offseason. They haven't been anywhere in training camp. Uh, both, obviously, Matt Ryan shot. Carson Wentz, I don't care how many routes he throws in the morning, wherever he's living right now, it's not the same as the NFL. They could have sniffed around the backup quarterback players, right? The Sam Darnolds, just look around the NFL. But those guys haven't been playing. So you'd be taking a guy who hasn't played any snaps and just inserting him on a team who has a pretty good shot at competing for a wild card. Or they could do what they did. And they got Joshua Dobbs, who, listen, we can debate all day long. Is he any good? Was his production early in the season a little overrated? Listen, he's proven a couple things. You can throw him in to a shit sandwich, and he can attempt to make a chicken salad. Because you watched him early this season, that team is is not very talented. And he was just had them competing. Last year, when he goes to the Titans at the end of the season, just a debacle quarterback situation comes in. To me, his greatest strength, beside everyone says super high character guy, well-liked, leader is he's very adaptable like I I don't know about you but I'm not that adaptable always it it takes me a minute I I can't do it at the snap of the finger I've actually really really worked interpersonally on being more just open-minded to just things right when something happens being able to pivot you can't operate on a daily basis like you're a fucking marine in normal society every minute you know exactly what you're going to do that's not how the world works And a lot of football players, because football is very regimented, don't pivot and don't change very easily. Coaches are like that. They do not adapt that well on the fly. It's hard. It is very difficult. But this guy has proven that you can just throw him into a situation that's not ideal, that is undermanned, and he can just figure out a way to at least look competent and have the team kind of moving in the right direction. We see over and over and over again, you put these like backup level players, even when they've been playing, it's like, yeah, this this can't go on, right? This You're seeing it with Baker Mayfield, who has proven he's a backup quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with that. Baker, it's why when Colin had that, uh, you know, his offseason or like during August, he thought Baker should just retire. I'm like, hey, no matter what he does in the pros, it'll never hurt his brand once he works for Fox doing college football. RG3 was an embarrassment. He's calling games now. Matt Liner is an all-time bust. He's like one of the stars of the network. None of that shit, Brady Quinn, impacts what you did in the NFL on your brand off the field, especially when you deal with college, right? And when you look at at Joshua Dobbs, like you look at some of these guys, I would have gone with him too. It doesn't cost much. Right, you're not just gonna roll with the rookie full time. It's too risky. Like you don't want to just wave the white flag on the season, uh, but you also have to kind of come to grips with it's not worth trying to maybe overpay for a guy. I think they essentially they traded a six for Dobbs and a seventh. Like that's an easy deal when your quarterback is currently in a hospital bed with a torn Achilles. And like I said on yesterday's podcast, that is gonna have major ripple effects in the NFL. 
not just on Minnesota in their franchise, but the countless other teams that would have been very, very interested in signing Kirk Cousins this offseason. I've said Atlanta, I think Green Bay Packers. I, I think a lot of teams would have sniffed around just because if you get Kirk Cousins, like you can just make the playoffs. And there's something to be said about being a playoff team. Why? Your, your stadium's full. People are talking about you. You are just relevant. When, when you're just a five- or six-win team, nobody cares about you. Think about when you're watching a game on the weekend and you get two teams, especially as the season goes on, that are like two and eight versus three and seven. You're not likely to give that game much time. It's just not worth it, right? You're just like, I'll watch two playoff teams or I'll watch a playoff team against a random team. I respect Minnesota because everyone, probably including myself, thought they were just going to take the season. Cousins refused to let that happen. And then he goes down and they're still trying. And that's, I think a separating factor in the NFL than a lot of these other sports where tanking is just really in vogue. And I I got news for you as a fan. That's what I am first. I'm a fan of sports. Tanking has a lot of just negative ramifications. the, The NBA is greatly diminished over the last 10 years. They've lost so much of their audience. You ask the casual, you know, just sports fan, I would say they're kind of down on it. And I think a huge reason has to do with tanking, which has ultimately kind of led to this resting. They're all kind of intertwined. And the NFL doesn't have to battle that. And even teams that, like, it would be understandable if Minnesota just had a fire sale today. But they go the other way. They're like, we're going to try to compete for the next month and see what happens. Respect it. A couple other little trades. The Bills trade for Rasul Douglas. Uh, They obviously needed defensive help. They lose White for the season. I think he tears Achilles or ACL. I forget the exact injury. But that's a pretty easy trade. I think they get Douglas in a fifth, and they trade a third. You know, the Bills are a fascinating team. Is, is this team still a Super Bowl contender with the injuries that they have on defense? It's it's hard to tell. Uh, they obviously have a Super Bowl level. I know he has to prove it, but the, the talent's there to be a Super Bowl level quarterback. And offensively, when they're on, their firepower is definitely there. But defensively, you, you saw early in the season when they played Miami, their ceiling was really high. Their ceiling was as high as any team in the league, including Philly, including the Niners, including the Chiefs, including the Ravens. We saw them play the Dolphins, and they they curb-stomped them. That ceiling's not quite the same once you lose a star corner and you lose a star linebacker. Especially when you lose a star middle linebacker, it's a lot like losing a catcher or something in baseball. It's not just the guy's a productive player, makes a lot of tackles, can cover. It's like he kind of gets everyone set up. He calms everyone down. Part of when you get these mic'd up segments in football and you see the huddle, it's more sometimes than just calling the play, right? Whatever. Razor left, foxtrot, Y stick, left razor, right? It, you say that and then you're like, hey guys, let's take a deep breath. We're, we're fine. Or, or, or you just, the quarterback looks at the wide receiver after a drop. Like, James, we're good, bro. Keep your head up. I'm fine. I'm going to come right back to you, right? There, there's, an, there's a confidence attribute that the green dot guy, the quarterback, and the middle linebacker bring to the table. And losing Milano, who obviously is a fantastic player, it's just, it's very, very difficult. It's why we saw for years when Keekley would go out. I'm not saying he's as good as Keekley, but like if Fred Warner went out for the Niners, they would be screwed. So he's, he's essentially their number two quarterback. He just happens to play on defense with his leadership, with his communication. And I'm just, I'm rooting for, I'm a Josh Allen fan. I've known Sean McDermott for a long time. I'm rooting for that franchise. I love the fan base. I love how much people care about football. 
they're just going to be a fascinating case study. Are they just going to be like a one and done this year, or are they just going to be a legit contender? I think we'll learn a lot about them over the next month, and, and I think it's going to start with they need Josh Allen to go nuclear. They need him to go, you know, Tom Brady, uh, what Roethlisberger did kind of in his peak, Peyton Manning. Like, I'm the best fucking player in the league. That, that's how they need him to be 90% of the time, right? If they want to get to win the division, if they want to compete in the playoffs, it's going to, it's always started and ended with him, but he had the benefit of the doubt when his defense was a little better. Now, to me, the, the margin is much smaller. Uh, the Jags get Ezra Cleveland. I'd be lying if I have a scattering report on him. Clearly, he's just a plug-and-play starter, a guard. You look for offensive line help. That's a little move Minnesota made, probably because they knew they weren't going to resign him. But I, I think the Jags, like the Bills, like that. That's think about those two teams, right? Coming into the season in the AFC, I always pick the Kansas City Chiefs until they've proven otherwise. I think even if you didn't have the Bengals right behind them, you watched the Bengals last week, you're like, they should be right behind them. The Ravens are playing well. The Bills, like you would have had kind of that group. And I don't think you would have had the Jags in it, right? Kind of one, one, not a one-hit wonder because they do have a young nucleus and a really good young quarterback and Super Bowl winning coach. But you went like, I, I think the Jags could be most normal people pick them to win the division. And it was like, I, I think the Jags would be good. Now you look up, they're 6-2. and two. They just went into Pittsburgh in an ugly game and won a grimy level game that like the Ravens and the Steelers and the Bengals win. They win it. If they can play like that, like you got to put them in the Bills, Chiefs. Like, right, is this team to be reckoned with? They're on a bye. They're playing the 49ers coming off a bye. That's a massive game for the 49ers. They beat the 49ers coming off a bye. I think we might have to start talking about the Jags as like, I don't want to say Super Bowl contenders, but definitely in the AFC championship mix. I mean, they might be a game or two away from being like, yeah, maybe this team could compete to win the Super Bowl. Other than that, trade deadline, man. It's a lot of hype. We, we still, you got to be on your toes, unlike, you know, 10, 20 years ago because of the aggressive GMs in the NFL now, which is enjoyable. Before, forever, a move here, a move there. Now, even when it's quote-unquote underwhelming or doesn't quite live up to the hype, you have to be ready. And uh, kudos to all these young, aggressive GMs, you know, in their 40s, in their early 50s that are just willing to try things, willing to take big swings willing to do deals. Uh, it makes the league more entertaining. I want to tell you something about my friends at Uber Eats. It's time for this week's player I thought might give almost, almost anything to redo his game. Brought to you by Uber Eats. Now, I don't think we're going to pick a player that would redo his game from last weekend, which would be easy. I think Purdy would like some of those picks back. Obviously, uh, PJ Walker would like a pass back. I think this is the player's Look at Jalen Johnson, who was given the right to explore trade. And the best part about the NFL, like when you see the NBA, I want to be traded. That guy always gets traded. It's just kind of baffling sometimes. Like, why you don't? Why, why are you doing this? Like, why, just play it out. Like, you, the, the player doesn't have all the control. In the NFL, it's the complete opposite. Like, I want to trade. Yeah, go seek it. And if you don't come back with anything we remotely like, we're just going to hang up the phone. You're going to be at practice tomorrow. And that's what happens with guys like Jalen Johnson. Like, I want to trade. You're not paying me enough. Like, okay. Yeah, we'll see a practice on Wednesday. <laughs> that, that always happens. And uh, I at least respect them being open-minded to trade the guy. I do not understand. And I know he had a really good game the other day. It's not like Derrick Henry is going to be on this team long. It's not like Saquon Barkley is going to be on this team. I, I would be stunned for the next four or five years. Why would you not entertain trading these players? 
And I think the hard part is, and this is where owners get involved, those two players, for example, like Jalen Johnson, ultimately if he was traded or not today, Bears fans would forget about him in three weeks. I like the player. I'm rooting for the player. He's from he's a Valley guy, California, but you went to Utah. Uh, it's not Deion Sanders. But I think when you get Derrick Henry, who is just, let's face it, might get a statue built out in front of their new stadium, and Saquon Barkley, who the owners view as like the Eli Manning of running backs for their team, it's very, very difficult to trade a guy, especially when you're having a down season, that helps get butts in the seats, that help keep your team. And when you're going to these luncheons and these rich people parties, that's who they talk about. And I think sometimes that can be a mistake. And I just wonder if some of these teams, like Titans get their butt kicked on Thursday. Is that something you regret? And I understand, like, what, we're we just going to trade them for a, you know, a fourth that could turn into a third? What's the point of that? We might as well just keep them. Well, you're going to let them walk for nothing. It's not like anyone's going to pay them. I would always, and the Rams are a good example. You know, it was almost, almost. Like, oh, the Rams actually are pretty good. Oh, actually, they stink. They're, they're really not very good. And now Stafford is injured. And the quarterback that they drafted in the fourth or fifth round sets in Bennett, who knows where he is. So you're not going to win any games. And Aaron Donald, of all these players, is why last week I predicted a player would go for a first-round pick. Because I thought a name like him on a team that kind of clearly came to grips with, yeah, we're not that good, give us a one, two twos, and a three. I mean, something like, I don't think Aaron Donald at 32 gets you multiple ones, but he definitely gets you a one and more. And for a team that is clearly hitting the reset button, who's more likely to draft 10th than they are 18th, I just think that might have been the right move. To have multiple first-round picks, to be able to reset your franchise, to get the money off the books. But again, like I said with those other players, a lot like the owners. It's just very hard to trade your most famous player. The player that when you walk into the stadium is on all the billboards. The player who more than likely is going to go, like Derrick Henry and definitely Aaron Donald, go into the Hall of Fame wearing your jersey. But that's what makes good GMs, and that's what makes average GMs and owners, right? Belichick, Walsh, like they were willing to do stuff like that. Hell, Andy Reid traded Tyree Kill last year and then won the freaking Super Bowl. It helped change their franchise, making that trade. And I know it was the offseason. It's different in the middle of the season. But still, that was this week's Almost Almost Anything Players of the Week. And you can order almost almost anything with Uber Eats, the official on-demand partner of the NFL. Order now. For a limited time, you can save 40% on NFL Plus premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play from Verizon. Plus Play is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once on any screen around you for updates. Never miss a touchdown. And for fantasy football players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming like Fantasy Live through NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performance on Sunday, access to live local primetime games, access to Fantasy Plus. Just go to verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. It's 40% off an annual subscription. That's just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, 
and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's uh, do a little mailbag. And here's the drill. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Hello, my bald brother. Listen to your latest pod. Had a thought. What betting apps do you use? I mean, come on. DraftKings, baby. Download the DraftKings app. Use the promo code John. Get some free bets. So, DraftKings. They literally just built a casino. A sports book, excuse me. Not a casino. uh, Right down the street from my house. So I've been a loyal DraftKings guy for a long time, own a bunch of their stock, big believer in the company, big picture, and obviously now they're a part of the volume. I'm glad we, we pivoted from the uh, former one to DraftKings. Love DraftKings. So download the DraftKings app, promo code John. If the Bears end up with two top picks in the draft, should they draft Caleb Williams and Drake May? They have never had a franchise quarterback. We did this a couple years ago, I think, when the Browns had pick one and four. You, you can't do that. This is not an option. So, you, no, you just take whoever your favorite quarterback is out of those two guys. And there's more and more buzz out there that it's not just some guaranteed Caleb Williams, even though I've talked to a couple guys that still think he's clearly the top prospect. But regardless, take your favorite quarterback and then either use that pick to trade back a couple spots and gain even more picks, especially now that you lost your second-round pick for sweat, or just... I don't know, pick the sweetest player. Marvin Harrison, 
a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman. You, you could do a lot. I know you don't talk awards too much, but I have an interesting hypothetical concerning comeback player of the year. Say by some miracle of science, Rodgers come back and plays at at least some snaps at the end of the season. Would he be a lock to win the award? Well, what is the definition of comeback player of the year award? To me, obviously Alex Smith is a good example. As long as he took a snap, given that his leg almost fell off and they had to amputate it, he was going to get it. To me, DeMar almost died on the field and came back. If he plays in games, he's going to get it. If you just have an injury and you just attack the rehab of a non-Alex Smith injury, like I you know, rip my elbow up or tear a knee or an Achilles, does that just automatically give you the comeback player of the year? Because ideally, I think on a given year, without DeMar, for example, or Alex Smith, it's just a player who's either gone through a lot of shit. Tua would be a good example. If Tua plays every game this year and they win the division, you could easily give it to him. Or a player that has a bad injury and then comes back from injury and then plays well. Like, that's how I think about it. Like, Adrian Peterson, tears ACL, comes back, 2,000 yards. MVP, comeback player of the year, give it to them all. So I, I think it all depends on how we view it. Question for your mailbag. Why is Caleb Williams so douchey? Is that a West Coast vibe? Isn't Caleb Williams from Washington, D.C.? Didn't he? Okay, West Coast, he just plays a couple years on the West Coast. He's not a West Coast guy. To me, when I think West Coast quarterbacks, I think Rodgers, Mark Sanchez, Matt Leinert, uh, you know, the, the Alex Smith, California guy, Derek Carr's California guy. I would say they're a little more laid back. Caleb is much more, to me, a different part of the country. He feels very D.C., to be honest with you. With Kirk Cousins' injury, do you think the 49ers could be a possible suitor? A lot of the franchises that would have been interested are teams that are or have been bad and have cap space. The 49ers are just an elite or top 12 quarterback away from being dominant. With Purdy struggling, if he continues to throw picks, could the Niners take a flyer on Cousins this summer? Win-win, in my opinion. Kyle loves the guy. They could get him on a cheaper deal, so he's likely in their budget now with the injury. And if he comes back and isn't the same... They still have an okay quarterback in Purdy. Cousins, best possible chance of winning a Super Bowl, probably with the 49ers. I agree. To me, the only way Cousins on an injury comes to the 49ers would be a very, very cheap deal. I'm talking, you know, under seven, eight million dollars, right? Assuming Purdy just is solid, right? Not as bad as he was at the end of the game. Remember, he threw for 350 yards. Like, he actually wasn't as bad. Like, you watch some of this crappy quarterback play, that wasn't really Purdy. Me had nine, 20-plus-yard passes. Now, the picks are inexcusable, and they'll lose you games. But I don't think they would sign Cousins to a lot of money coming off an Achilles. Now, like you said, if they can get him cheap, then I think they're all over that business. Okay, let's get to Steve. If the Niners fire Wilkes, would that be a smart decision, or should they just wait until the season ends? Well, I think they're kind of stuck because they don't have anyone else on their staff that can just take over. So part of firing a coordinator is having a guy that can take over his gig. Right? When Frank, for example, demoted himself and gave it to Thomas Brown, he had a coordinator. If they fired Steve Wilkes, I, I don't think they have other options. 
Now, I saw Richard Sherman saying some stuff about part of what made the Niners good is they ran a lot of zone coverage. Their two linebackers can cover in the middle, and their defensive line just chased the quarterback. Well, now he's blitzing all the time. He's doing stunts and twists. He's running a lot of man. He's just doing what the team doesn't do well. And this is this is a huge part of football. This is why in why I feel so comfortable talking about coaches. Because from a scouting perspective, a GM, front office perspective, a lot of coaches screw up players. Now, I'm not saying that every player drafted can play. But a lot of times, the scheme, instead of adapting your scheme to what your players do well or forcing your scheme on a player, has bad results. It's why we see so often a coach come in and the team immediately is better or worse. Coaches, no sport has a bigger impact when it comes to coaches on the success of players. I'm a longtime Charger fan based in Mexico City. Who would you bring instead of Staley? Name your three best candidates. Would you blow it up? Trade all the expensive non-impact players like Mac and Bosa? Would you try to get rid of Telesco and who would you replace him with? Well, I would say Dean Spanos' history is not Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh. He had the opportunity to fire Brandon Staley last year and hire Sean Payton. Didn't do it. Too much for him. So this notion that Jim Harbaugh is going to go to the Chargers, based on his history, you would say, no chance. He is going to hire, let's just pick the best coordinator right now. The dude in Detroit. was his name? Ben Johnson? Right? Whoever the next Shane Steichen, McVay, Kyle is. I would put the mon- my money on them hiring that guy. Hell, what if he really likes Kellen Moore? Just name Kellen Moore the head coach. I would say it's more likely them doing that than them paying Jim Harbaugh. Or, you know, if Belichick's fired, them hiring Belichick. Right? So it, to me, the candidates are just the coordinators. Whoever the best coordinator is, including the guy that they just hired in Kellen Moore. Maybe Dan Quinn, but would you hire another defensive guy with... with uh, Justin Herbert, probably not. To me, Telesco, I think he's pretty good at his job. But here's the problem. He's already got several coaches. Like, how many coaches do you usually get? Now, maybe they just really like him, they feel comfortable with him, and they keep rolling. Okay, huge fan. Love your authenticity and ability to call things the way they are. My question for the pod is about the Raiders. They looked absolutely abysmal out there last night. And the fact that this was their third or fourth primetime game this season is ridiculous. They're probably the worst team I've seen in 10-plus years of watching football. How do you think they should go about business at the trade deadline? Well, obviously, they didn't really trade anybody. I I just think that they are going nowhere fast. And I'll defend Mark on this, and I don't know if I mentioned this the other night. When he had to hire Josh McDaniels, it wasn't his plan to go into a coaching search, right? The Gruden emails leaked. The league fucked him. And he was forced to fire him in the middle of the season, meaning they were going to need another head coach. And for as fun as Rich Passaccia was, I understand not hiring Rich as your head coach. And honestly, Josh, on paper, made some sense. But I, I was I went on Gottlieb's radio show earlier today, and I mentioned this the other day. These New England guys show their true colors so fast as coaches. We saw it with Patricia. We saw it with Judge. You're seeing it again with Josh. Like, you know right away, you're like, I don't see it at all. I, I don't even see signs of life. Think about this. Brandon Staley showed quicker signs of life than this guy. There's no signs of life. So I I, I just think they got a major, major coaching problem. It's just going to come down to this offseason. Is he willing? Because listen, 
if you owned a team with me and we were, I was, uh, let's just say I'm the majority owner and in, in pro sports, that guy has, is the owner. But if you're a minority guy, you know, you own 20% of the team, but I lean on you. Like we talk a lot. We're, we're very close when it comes to decisions and, and we're sitting there and we go, can we go on like this? Because we don't want to do coaching searches. That's not fun. That, that means you have a major problem, right? So when you have a coaching search, it means you're basically starting over again. Starting over sucks, right? Think you want anyone that's broken up or got a divorce. Like dating is, it's way more fun in theory than it is in reality. I don't care how many apps are out there, how many friends introduce you to people. It's, it's exhausting, well, coaching searches are no different. The difference is it's really, really expensive. Hell, dating with inflation is ex- expensive. But coaching searches and then hiring a guy and then hiring a GM, it's just something you want to avoid. So I think it's why a lot of teams write it out a year or two too long because they don't want to do that. I, I just think if this team ends up winning five games, and it's not even about the wins and losses, just watch them play. I mean, they, they are abysmal. If you remove Crosby... And Devontae getting open with ease. They stink. There's a Raider fan, diehard from Australia. Listen to your podcast on the way to work. Question is obviously Jimmy G isn't the long-term or even short-term answer for this team. So what is the benefit of continuing to put him out there week after week just to experience the same ineptitude? Not that I'm a fan of McDaniels in the slightest, but if I'm him, surely you try to start O'Connell. He mentioned this the other day. He said, guys, this isn't preseason anymore, which is true, which is fine. And this is the problem that front office people have with coaches. Okay, no shit, it's not preseason, Josh. But Jimmy Garoppolo right now in 2023, at the end of October, early November, is going to get us beat no matter who we play. And he's probably not going to be on the team next year. So what's the point of doing any of this? We might as well see, yeah, it's not preseason, and this guy might, we're losing anyway. So at least see if you have something an asset, a quarterback that you feel comfortable keeping as your backup, keeping a, a veteran player who's not going to be your starting quarterback, who's playing poorly, makes no sense. It's why Derek Carr got sent home last year. It's like, bro, you're not going to be on the team next year. And they went with, what's his name? Stidham, who, ironically, they didn't even end up resigning. I don't understand why NFL punters always try to pin the team inside the five-yard line in the middle of the field. To me, it seems like 80% of the time, they kick it into the end zone for a touchback. Why don't they aim for the sideline when trying to pin them around the five? Am I missing something? Uh, That's a good question. I I don't pretend to be a special teams expert, though when I worked in football, I spent a lot of time around special teams coaches and the special teams unit. I do think a lot of the punters I was around tried to do the Aussie end over end punt when they're you know 50 and in and they're trying to pin the team to the corners I'm in complete agreement I don't understand why you would do that to the middle of the field now sometimes if a rush is coming off you don't necessarily have a choice so you just kind of kick it and get the ball off your foot but I'm with you I, I, I don't understand just kicking it down the middle of the field also I'd like you to invite you to my golf club in Austin Texas for a round Spanish Oak Golf Club my man, Craig is living well here. Hey, Middlecoff, can you send me that video of you saying if you draft a kicker in the third round and can't make a kick, you got a real fucking problem? Yeah, it's, 
You better if you're gonna draft a kicker, he better make kicks. Hey John, very long time listener and first time DMer. Lifelong Patriot fan, and seeing how we just re-signed Belichick, Mac Jones is a joke. And we'll inevitably just run it back next year with the same shitty team, plus the wrong draft pick Bill makes that doesn't help the offense. I'd like to have my question be about the Bears, specifically their future decision of being most likely able to draft Caleb with the first pick. Does it make sense for Chicago to not only draft Caleb, but also try to lure Lincoln to take the head coaching job? I would bet he's not going to be able to coach a quarterback of his caliber again. Matt mispronounced Eberflus with a winky face. I said it right. Is simply not a good head coach. And they'll most likely also have another top five pick for a skill guy or one of the top O-line edge rushers to accelerate their rebuild. I know the jump from college to the NFL isn't necessarily easy for coaches, but wouldn't that at least show Bears fans that Poles is trying to turn their fortunes around? I went on this rant a couple weeks ago that when Harbaugh was hired, one, he had played in the NFL for a long time, and his defensive coordinator was a former NFL coach. Not a head coach, but Fangio had coached in the NFL for a while. When Chip Kelly came to the NFL, his downfall turned out to be, one, his offense didn't really change, but two, his defensive staff was terrible. He did not know defensive coaches. Pete Carroll, think about him. When he made the transition to the NFL... He was a former NFL coach, multiple franchises, and basically ran an NFL program at USC defensively. So yeah, Lincoln and the quarterback know each other. The Cow Bears, who are fucking terrible, just scored 49 points against USC. Now, I understand USC in 2023 is not the 06 Trojans, but come on. Cal is scoring 49 points against you? I do not think Lincoln Riley is a very good NFL coaching candidate. First, zero experience in the NFL. Zero as a coach or player. Has never worked in the NFL. Two, does not value defense. So when you think about those two, no experience, doesn't value defense. To me, those are just two huge red flags. Think about some of these guys that had no NFL experience, like Chip Kelly was kind of running out of the NFL. Urban Meyer did not make it through the season. You know what both those two guys have in common? They had never worked in the league. Now, Chip was better with players than Urban was. He's the worst-case scenario. Spurrier, and he actually played in the NFL. Obviously, it was a different game probably in the 70s than when he coached in the uh, whatever it was, the late 90s or early 2000s, but still. So I hear what you're saying. I don't think it's a crazy thing to talk about, but I also think it doesn't work. So I would say if I was the Bears, I would not hire Lincoln Riley. Cowboys fan here. I'm a huge fan of the tush push, even though our rival is the one who has mastered it. If other teams in the league have a problem with it, why don't they figure out a way to do it? Obviously, no other quarterback in the league has the leg strength of Jalen. But why not put a defensive end under center to try and do the same thing? I think part of the problem is Jalen's ability, because he's a quarterback, to naturally get low while holding the ball. Like the problem with taking a defensive lineman or an offensive lineman doing that, you would not feel good about ball security. Right? Have you ever just played catch with a guy, like a Division II college wide receiver, or like a really good high school player wide receiver, or a quarterback or whatever? Their feel for the ball is pretty natural, right? It's like if you go to a basketball gym, 
and you watch the former point guard dribble around, you're like, God, he's got a good handle. Then you watch the dude that walks in the gym that's 6'8". They played power forward at some college. Not a great dribbler. Well, who do you want bringing the ball up the court? The point guard. Who do you want holding the ball? The quarterback, right? So I, I don't think you trust. Hell, they, they fumbled the tush push. You just, that ball security, right? We talk over and over and over. Turnovers, 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 turnovers. You can't turn, you can't lose a turnover battle. Well, at least if you're losing the turnover battle, it's a skill guy fumbling or a quarterback throwing a pick. You, you cannot have your starting or your backup defensive tackle, who's your strongest guy on your team, fumbling the ball. So I, in a long way of, a roundabout way of saying, I, I think it's really that simple. You would never trust that guy in a big spot, because let's face it, a fourth and one is always a big spot to hold on to the football. The center quarterback exchange... It's not easy. You know, for as easy as these guys make it, we, we still have balls hit the ground. And there's just no... When would those guys practice? Like, would you spend an extra 30 minutes or 20 minutes a day just doing some snaps for a play you might run once? Uh, seems like a lot of wasted time. And then you still wouldn't trust it. So I I think that's the biggest reason. You just would not trust a big guy. And, and in fairness, like, it's not... That'd be on the coach, not the not the lineman. Because I do think, especially D linemen, they're used to playing low. Like they could get low enough, and they're strong enough. But while you're pushing to to hold the ball, the points of pressure, I feel like that ball could go all over the place. Okay, adios. We'll call it a day. Slide in those DMs at John Middlecoff. I will talk to you all soon. Adios. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.